And we're going to start tonight on the part that says water baptism. Water baptism. Okay? That's where we're going to start. We're going to do all this tonight. Six pages of notes. We're going to do it because we're overachievers. <clears throat> okay. First of all, last, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about uh, after the resurrection, the ascension of Jesus into heaven, the disciples going back to Jerusalem, to the upper room, ten days after the ascension, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit falls in the upper room, and the church is born, the church is birthed. Now, the church in the Bible is not uh, first church of the Nazarene, although Jesus was a Nazarene, all right? It wasn't, I know this is hard to believe, but the first church in the book of Acts was not family worship center. I know, it's hard to believe. Later in, um, in Acts, it did become Christian Life Center because in Antioch, they were first called Christians in the book of Acts. I can't remember what chapter that's in. Is that, it's not 10, I don't think. No, it's not 10, it's further, further back. But they were first called Christians at Antioch, okay? And so Christian Life Center was started in Antioch, blah, right? It wasn't First Baptist. It wasn't First Presbyterian. Uh, in Houston, one of the biggest churches in Houston is Second Baptist. Okay? I don't know where First Baptist is, but Second Baptist was big in Houston. Okay? It was the church. There's only one church. The church. It was the church. So we've been discussing what the church taught, preached, believed, and practiced. Okay? So tonight... We're going to talk about water baptism. We've already discussed the last week about repentance and what repentance does. So tonight we're going to start water baptism is a sign of the new covenant. Now, I want you to take this into consideration. This paper is yours. Keep, put your name on it, take notes, whatever. Every, the, the, the Old Testament is a shadow of things to come in the New Testament. Okay? When things happen in the New Testament, you can go back to the Old Testament and find it. For instance, what we're studying, the gospel, the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ, is actually found in the Old Testament in the tabernacle. Okay? So we'll probably, here in the next year, go back to the tabernacle and see how that all started. So if you want to know the tabernacle plan, this is the tabernacle plan, New Testament version that was done in the church. God always has order. God always has a plan, okay? So let's go. Water baptism is a sign of the new covenant. Now the old sign says it was circumcision of the flesh. And that's found in Genesis 17, 10 through 14. And this is in the New Living. This is, uh, here we go. This is the covenant that you and your descendants must keep. Each male among you must be circumcised. You must cut off the flesh of your foreskin as a sign of the covenant between me and you. From generation to generation, every male child must be circumcised on the eighth day after his birth. This applies not only to members of your family, but also to the servants born in your household and the foreign-born servants whom you have purchased. Systemic racism right there. Genesis chapter 17. All right. Purchasing servants. Verse 13. All. Everybody say all. All must be circumcised. Your bodies will bear the mark of my everlasting covenant. Any male who fails to be circumcised will be cut off from the covenant family for breaking the covenant. So that is the old sign, circumcision of the flesh. Now, today... 
when, when boys are born, the parents have a choice whether to circumcise or not to circumcise. Um, some, some parents elect to have circumcision take place. Others do not. But in the Old Testament, it was a requirement of God that all male children to walk in covenant with the Lord had to be circumcised. That was the sign of the covenant. Okay? Now, that transfers over, like I said, from the Old Testament to the New Testament because now we have circumcision. Thank God we don't have to get circumcised again. Okay? I don't remember my first circumcision, and I do not want to experience a second circumcision. Okay? Now that I'm older and more wimpy. Yes. So now the circumcision is of the heart. That's the new sign. It's of the heart. And that is in Colossians chapter number 2, verse 11. Colossians 2, 11 says in the King James, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of, of Christ. Buried, everybody say buried. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. Okay, so that is the new sign. It is now circumcision of the heart. And then Romans chapter 2, verse 28 Romans 2.28 For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart produced by God's Spirit. And a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God, not from people. And that change of heart comes through what operation we talked about last week? comes through repentance. That's how you change. You repent. You change. Okay? My kids would do something wrong, and they'd say, I'm sorry. And I said, I don't care if you're sorry. I just want you to change. Change your actions. Don't do that again. Change. Change is hard. Is change hard, Terry? Uh-huh. Did you watch that sermon? A little bit. Dude, you had all night. It was only an hour hour and something sermon. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make you a soldier. Amen. This boot camp, bro. Boot camp. That's how you eat an elephant, one bite at a time. I told Terry, I said, I've eaten elephants. He looked at my belly and thought, I'm sure. He didn't vocalize that, but I picked it up in the Holy Ghost. I could just tell. I said, Terry, you know how to eat, eat an elephant? He's just looking at me. He's like, how do you eat? He's like, where's the pastor coming from? I'm in here trying to talk to him about what things I want to change in my life, and he's talking about eating elephants. I said, you eat an elephant one bite at a time. Amen. And when you turn 55 at Denny's, you can get elephants at a discount. It's on the back page of the menu. Think about it. Okay. So we change. Change is hard. So after we repent, we decide that we're not going to serve sin anymore. We're not going to serve sin anymore. I'm going to change. Uh, you might have to change your cell phone number. If you want to live for God, you're going to have to get rid of all the cruddy buddies in your life that hang around and bring all the trash into your life. I mean, this is as easy as I can tell you. I'm telling you with love. Can't you tell? I'm telling you with love. You've got to get rid of every trashy person in your life. Because all they're going to do is bring trash into your life. You know, I mean, 
we used to have friends that would come over, come to our house and visit. And, and my wife, my wife kept a very clean, spotless house, man. I mean, it was, and, and these people would come and they would get hot dogs out of the refrigerator and leave hot dogs laying on the stand in the, in the living room on the coffee table. And it's like, dude, if you're not going to eat the hot dog, at least take it back to the kitchen. Don't lay it on the stand, on the coffee table. Gum wrappers underneath of the couch. Of course, there have been some people in my family that stuck pizza crust down inside the cushion, not mentioning any names. All right? You reach down in there, it's like, what is that? And you pull it out, and it's a pizza crust. It's like, and you say, pizza, pizza. What's a pizza crust? Why? Because some people, people are not going to respect you wanting to live for God. They want you to still stay in sin and still be trashy just like they are. Because if you change and start living for God, then you bring conviction on their life. That's why they don't want you around. That's why they tease you and call you holy roller. And you're better than us now. You're Well, so what? You want to stay, you want to live in trash? Keep living like trash. I'm not, I'm going, I'm better than this. You're better than this. All right, I'm getting off of that. That's not even in the notes. Why should I be baptized in water? Do you want to know why? I'm going to tell you why. Why? Number one, it's a command. Okay, it's a command to be baptized. Number two, it's for remission of sins. Acts 2.38, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. Right? Number two, three, it's for a clear conscience. A clear conscience to get your mind clear. You gotta, you gotta be able to lay down at night, close your eyes, and you be at peace with God. If you can't be at peace with God, then you got some business to take care of. Number four, at repentance, the old man dies. In water baptism, the old man is buried. So we kill the old man and repentance and we bury him once and for all in baptism see how that works and the last one is we identify with Jesus Christ we identify with him through baptism now I will share this with you I'm going back up to the where it says it was a command the very first one I will share this with you in the Old Testament in the tabernacle, the Lord told the priest that he said, first of all, when you come into the outer court, there is an altar there, and that's where you do a sacrifice. That's where you do the killing. You kill the sacrifice there. And he said, once the killing is done, then the next instrument that you come to, the piece of furniture, is called the laver, L-A-V-E-R. And that's where you wash. That is a type. You like this word, Kevin? Typology. Yes, it is a type of water baptism. And you know what the Lord told the priest at the labor? If you do not wash, when you get to the holy place, I'm going to kill you. Whoa. He said, make sure you wash. If you don't wash, you're going to die. Now, that's pretty powerful. So for all those folks who say, well, water baptism isn't necessary... Well, if you know how the scriptures all go and it comes from the Old Testament and it goes into the New Testament church and the Lord says, uh, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. I think you, how do you like this for English? You might ought to get baptized. Might ought to. Where'd that come from? You might ought to. Okay, so those are the commands about water baptism, why you should be baptized. Now, let's flip it over. Let's flip your chart over. See, we're done. We're done that part. You're halfway through already. It's only 7.59. I'm going to have you out of here before the first of the year. Amen. So the covenant name, the covenant name, every covenant, every peace treaty, all sorts of things have a name, right? The peace treaty now between Israel and Qatar and the United Arab Emirates and what was the other country that signed on so far? 
Bahran, Bahran, Bahran. Yeah. That is called the what? Abraham Accord. So it has a covenant name. So we have a covenant name that we operate in as the church. And that covenant name is found in, watch, Matthew 28, 18 and 19. Jesus said this. This is Jesus. And Jesus came and spake to them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. So that's Jesus saying that. That was the command, the Great Commission. We studied the Great Commissions in the last, in the four Gospels a few weeks ago. And that's the Great Commission that Matthew penned when Jesus ascended into heaven. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. That's why we spend a lot of money here for radio broadcasts, for cameras to do internet broadcasts. I mean, I mean, you know how many, we're like on eight or nine platforms here. This little church in the middle of the great city of Vandalia, the North Shore. We're on the North Shore. Mm. We're just looking for sea turtles and some whale blows, and we haven't seen him. They got a humpback whale in New York Harbor yesterday. How about that? I'd say he's lost. He better get out of there. Get out of New York. So we're on the North Shore. So we broadcast on YouTube. We broadcast on Apple TV, on Chrome, on Facebook, all, all kinds of platforms. What are we doing? We're trying to go. We're trying to tell folks about the gospel. We're trying to talk to people about the kingdom. I want this house full. I want you I want it so everybody has to get here 45 minutes early so you get a seat. How about that? And if you don't get here in time, we we'll have to put some seats up here on the platform. You come up here and sit with the praise singers. Amen. You might even get a mic. You get to sing. Fall on your knees, oh hear the right? Right? You might get to sing. Okay. So he said, go and teach all nations, and that's what we're trying to do. Now, let's break this down. He said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost. So what is the name? Let's go. Let's, let's look at the covenant name here. So, first of all, Father is not a name. It's a title and a position. I am a father. But when I, you see me at Walmart, look, Frank, the last time you saw me at Walmart, did you say, hello, Father? You did say, hello, Pastor. That's my title. But I have a name other than Pastor. I don't sign my checks, Pastor Zimmerman. Right? When I see Danny, Danny is a son. I've met his mom. She's a little fella. But he has a name. RJ is alive. He has a spirit living inside of him. It animates his body. But when I see RJ, I say, Hey, spirit. How you doing? Right? These are titles. These are positions. So he said, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So well, let's break it down. The name of the Father is Jesus. John chapter 5, verse 43, Jesus said this, I am come in my Father's name, and you receive me not. If another shall come in his own name, him you will receive. So Jesus said, I am come in my Father's name. So the name of the Father is Jesus. The name of the Son is Jesus. Matthew one twenty one, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Amen. 
Now the angel did say also that the prophet said that she would give birth to a son and call his name what? Emmanuel. Remember Emmanuel? Which being interpreted is God with us. That baby born in the manger was God with us. And Jesus, if you go into the Greek, Jesus is means Jehovah the Savior. So the Jehovah of the Old Testament became the Jesus of the New Testament and operates under the covenant name Jesus. The name of the Holy Ghost, what is it? John 14, 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So the name of the Holy Ghost is Jesus. Now, all of us have checks, checkbook at one point or another. If you didn't, haven't, you've signed papers. Everybody signed a paper, right? If you have never signed an important document, did you go to school and have to put your name on the paper? Okay? How many of you put your name on your paper at school? Four of you. What did the rest of you do? Found it in the trash can. Everybody at some point has put your name on something, okay? And you did not put your name down as son. Now, if you go down south, I don't know if it's changed or not, but when I was down south and lived down there, this is what they always said when they got excited. Son. Son. They still say that, Caitlin? Son. They son. And one professor at college didn't like that. He said, what are you trying to say? Son, son what? Son of what? Son of who? We're like, Well, I didn't feel so much indignation because I never heard of that till I got there. I never heard of ranch dressing till I got to Texas. Whoa, can you believe it? Never heard of okra. I know it's a travesty, but believe me, I have experienced it many times now. Yes. Along, it was one of my side dishes with the elephant, Terry. There you go. Now, so when, what I'm saying is, whenever you put your name on the paper, you put your name on the paper. Dan Trout. That's a nice name. Dan Trout. Do you like Dan Trout? Do you like the last name Trout? It's fine. I have, it sounds kind of fishy, don't it? That came out of Frankie's section right there. Frankie, you got to get your section under control. Okay, good job. <laughs> hey, so, your name says, this is my paper. Your name says, this is the answers to the questions on my paper. So your name is saying, I have the authority over this paper and these answers. When you sign your name on a check, you sign your name as the authority that says, I give you authority to debit my account and pull that money out. When you sign your name on that mortgage of your first house, you sign your name to say, I will be responsible and I, I authorize you to foreclose on me if I don't pay my payments. How about that? So the authority lies in the name. It's in our culture. The authority lies in the name of the covenant, which is Jesus. And so now I want you to think about this. Who was Jesus talking to in Matthew 28, 19, he was talking to his disciples. He was talking to his followers. What were they? They were Jews. What did the Jews believe? This isn't in your notes. This is extra. I'm giving it to you as extra. This should be written down. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Right? When he said the Father... The Son and the Holy Ghost, they knew who he was talking about. They knew that he was Father in creation, Son in redemption, and Holy Spirit in regeneration, rebirth. 
There it is. They knew that. They understood it already. Okay? Now, so we go to Acts 4. We're on the top of page 4. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. King James says this. Be it known unto you all. I went a couple of verses ahead on then the chart. And to all people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Now this is the man that was healed at the gate. Okay? I want you to circle the phrase in that line that says, in that verse it says, Name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, or Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Circle that. Kevin, you can circle that because it's not in your Bible. You can highlight that because it's not in your Bible. Okay? Now, so I, want, I did this for a reason. So you got Jesus Christ of Nazareth circle, underlined, whatever. So verse 11. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. He's saying, you Jews said you didn't want this Messiah. You didn't want Jesus. You didn't want his message. You didn't want his authority. You didn't want his power. You set him off to the side. But this is, he's become the chief cornerstone here, the head of the corner. And verse 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I want you to circle the, na- the word name. Or none other name. Circle that. None other name. So you should have a circle around Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And you should have a circle around none other name in verse 12. Then I want you to draw a line between the two and hook them together. Because Acts chapter 4 verse 12 by itself, if you're not reading it in context, says neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Well, what name is he talking about? That's up in verse 10. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So the authority lies in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray for our meals in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray for deliverance in the name of Jesus. There's the authority lies in the name. Now the name of Jesus is the covenant power name that we walk by and live by. But there's something even more powerful than his name. You know what it is? There's something that he honors even above his name. His word. The Bible says he honors his word above his name. That's why you got to learn the word. Because when you learn the word and you're walking with the word and you got the name on you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. All those who rise up against you shall fall. A thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, yet you shall not be moved. Come on now, somebody. Get a hold of this. Don't act like this is Wednesday night. Act like this is Sunday morning. And we're here early because it's dark. Amen. You know, does anybody, is it just me, does it feel dark at five o'clock? I mean, does it feel like one o'clock in the morning at five o'clock? It's like, wow. It's like gross darkness. So, anyhow. Okay, so we've established that the covenant name is Jesus Christ. Is that right? Amen? Everybody's good with that? So now let's look. Examples of water baptism in the book of Acts. Now remember, we said what church started in the book of Acts? Not Family Worship Center. The church. The church that God wanted to set up on the earth. Right? So we've got to make sure that today, as we assemble together as the church, we want to believe, teach, and practice exactly what the early church in the book of Acts taught, believed, and practiced. Yes, no, maybe. Right? Amen. Thank you, Miss Amy. Yes. Right? Don't say no. Don't yes or no. Don't say maybe. That's what I used to put in my love notes to the girl in third grade that you wanted her to be your girlfriend. You put yes or no, and then they started getting smart, and they started putting maybe. I don't know if that ever happened to anybody else, but it happened to me. 
Finally, I got on the ball and said, don't say maybe. I'd rather you break my heart. Get it over with. Break my heart. Amen. Just, just, just kill me and crush me. All right. So we want to make sure that we believe what the church said. And what did the church do? They believed in water baptism. Do you want to know how, what the early church believed? You have to look in the book of Acts. Okay? Let me break the New Testament down for you. The first four books of the New Testament are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They're called Gospels. Basically, they're biographies. They're biographies about the ministry of Je- and the life of Jesus Christ. Okay? Matthew portrays him as a servant. Mark portrays him as, as uh, I don't know, son of, son of uh, let's see, son of man. Luke portrays him as something else. And John portrays him as the son of God. Okay? Three of them are synoptic, which means they're very similar. Matthew, Mark, and Luke. You can find a lot of similarities and stories in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of them. John is totally different. He writes more about the deity of Christ than any of them, the divinity, the God of Christ. Jesus was all God and he was all man. He was God in man. Amen. Who was he talking to on the cross? He's talking to himself. Who was he praying to in the garden? He was praying to himself. He said, I don't buy that, Pastor. You ever talk to yourself? Sure you do. You answer yourself. And if you're self-employed, you have board meetings with yourself. Amen. And usually the, it's all unanimous. When you have a board meeting with yourself, it's unanimous. When I have a board meeting with myself and I say, man, I'm hungry. Where am I going to eat? And wherever I decide I'm going to eat, it's unanimous. It's, you know, there's no, there's no issues. And let me give you some marriage counsel. You want to hear some good marriage counsel? You women who, when you're in, your, in the vehicle with your husband and he says, where do you want to eat? And you say, I don't care. Remember those words, because when he pulls in to wherever you don't care, and you say, I don't want to eat here, hold on, because it was done said, I don't care where we eat. So if you don't want to eat here, stay in the car. That's good teaching. See, you've got marriage counseling tonight. Mm-hmm. Some of you need, if, if your spouse is not here tonight, you need to take them to minute number 2319 in the video clip. So, so look what the pastor taught about tonight. When you say, I don't care where we eat, you better make sure you don't care where we eat. Because I guarantee you they will care when you pull in somewhere that you, you want to eat and they don't want to. So then Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John introduce us to Christ. They introduce us to Christ. Okay? The next book after John is the book of Acts. Acts is the history of the early church, the actions, the acts of the apostles. You want to know what the apostles believed? Acts. You want to know what they taught? Acts. You want to know how they lived? Acts. You want to know what the early church preached? Acts. Acts. Acts me. And I'll tell you. Okay? I'm telling you. Acts. You want to know what salvation was preached in the gospel or in the New Testament? Where's salvation? It's not in Romans. Romans was written to save people already. It was in Acts. Oh, my. Oh, pastor. He's on fire. This man is on fire. Romans. Everybody say Romans. To Jude. Thank you. Are epistles. Epistles are letters of instruction. They are written by the apostles. All the churches in the New Testament were founded in the book of Acts. 
And then Romans to Jude are epistles, letters written to those churches that were birthed in Acts about how to live after salvation comes. If you want to look and say, okay, so you mean you can't get salvation out of Romans? No, because if you look in Romans, the very first verses of chapter 1, it says to the saints of the church of Rome. You can't, I'm telling you, a lot of people think they're saints, but you are not a saint until you get the Holy Ghost. And then it's a struggle to get sainthood when you're in the Holy Ghost anyway. Because you're still dealing with your ugly flesh. I mean, your rotten flesh. We all got it. We all have to deal with it. So they keep us in Christ. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John introduce us to Christ. Acts introduce, puts us in Christ. Acts puts us in Christ. Romans through Jude keeps us in Christ. And Revelation is prophetic. It shows us our life to be in the future with Christ. There you go. I ought to get a double offering tonight for all that. That's not even in the notes. That's just, that's just off the top of my head. Whew. So let's go to the book of Acts and water baptism examples. First of all, 3,000 believers on the day of Pentecost. That's awesome. You talk about that. Peter was booked for a long time after that sermon. I mean, he didn't have to go to any conferences for a long time and get any bookings. You get 3,000 baptized in one service, you're on fire too, bro. Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent, there that word is again, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly, everybody say gladly, received the word, his word, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Wow. Do you know how long it took them to baptize 3,000 people? Huh? See, they had a pack of lunch. So let's say a baptism takes about what? How long is it going to... Uh, let's say a baptism takes about three minutes. Okay? So 3,000 times three minutes is what? 9,000 minutes. Is that correct? 9,000 minutes. 9,000 minutes divided by 60 is what? You can now get your cell phones out and get your calculator out. I give you, I know none of you have your cell phones out right now. It's church time and you're listening 100% to the pastor. I know you are. So 9,000 time, or 9,000 divided by 60 is what? Huh? 150 hours, right? 150 hours divided by 8 is what? Eighteen and three-quarter days. So one guy, it would take one disciple 18, almost 19 days to baptize 3,000. So let's say there were 10 of them. It would take them a whole day, an eight-hour day. It would take 11 of them, almost 12, to baptize 3,000 in one day. And that's taking lunch, and you get your 20-minute government break in the morning and in the evening. Yep. There were no smoke breaks for the disciples, because I don't think they smoked. Hallelujah. But anyhow, we ain't talking about They were on Holy Ghost fire. They were on far, but it wasn't Marlboro's. Okay, so that's a lot of baptizing. Let's go on. Samaritan believers, Acts chapter 8, verse 15. Now who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost? For as yet he, who is he? Who is that pronoun talking about? The Holy Ghost, that's correct. Was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
So when you get baptized at Family Worship Center, we say over you, I now baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. That's just how they did it in the book of Acts. Dude, you're sitting in a book of Acts church. Wow. We believe in the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Wow. Look at your neighbor, closest neighbor, and say, how about that? How about that? Let's look at Cornelius, chapter number 10, Acts chapter 10. His family and friends, Acts 10, 47 and 48. Peter is here. He said, can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Now, you can get baptized before you get the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost before you get baptized. It doesn't matter. Just so you get it done. It happened both ways. And the disciples of John, Acts chapter 19, verse number 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. What are the, why are we doing it in the name of the Lord Jesus? That's the covenant name. And if you're going to be in covenant, and baptism is the new sign of circumcision, so you know what we really are, don't you? We're spiritual Jews. You're a spiritual Jew. Did not Abraham, wasn't he told by the Lord in Genesis? He said, I want you to look at two things, Abraham. I want you to look at the sand of the sea, and I want you to look at the stars of the heaven. And he said, I want you to know that your seed is going to be innumerable, just like the sands of the seas and the stars of the heaven. Amen. So you are a spiritual Jew. So if you're, if you have anti-Semitic situation in your life, you better get rid of it because you're hating yourself. Of course, a lot of us hate ourselves. So there we go. You know what I'm saying? So you are a spiritual Jew. Stars of the heaven are the spirit. Sand of the sea is natural. So God was telling Abraham, the natural sand that you see is the natural seed of Israel that I'm going to make for you. The spiritual side is going to be the stars of the heaven. So we are in the family of God, and we are spiritual Jews because we have taken on through baptism the sign of the covenant in our lives. That's good, isn't it? So why do we keep, why do we keep acting like we're not king's kids? I don't know. I don't know either. I was in a situation one time. I've been in lots of situations, but this one other time. I was in a situation one time where uh, I, had, I had bought some houses. I had bought two houses in a foreclosure. And, I, and of course, I had to go to the auction at the courthouse. And I, got, I bought two houses for 24000 bucks. And I felt like that was a pretty good deal. And the plan was, my plan was, I was going to, one was very nice and, and very, I mean, it was hardly any repairs needed done. The other one needed some repairs. But I was going to fix up the one and sell it. And, and I'm a tither, okay? When I make money, the Lord gets at least 10. Sometimes he gets more. Because I, I tried to outgive him and I can't do it. But I'm a tither, and I was going to tithe, and the other house I was going to sell on contract so I could have income over the next 8 to 10 years. And long story short, the, the, the individual that lost the houses was, uh, she lied and said that she was never notified that the foreclosure was taking place. And the other house that was in the foreclosure was her mom's house. 
So she put her mom's house up for collateral, and I ended up getting the mom's house and the daughter's house. And I had to go back to court because they're telling me you might have bought these without them being notified by the bank that we, they were foreclosing, so you may have to give them back, and you'll get your money back and everything, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, whatever. Well, there was an individual in town here who was prominent, a business person, and come to find out that they were the money behind the people who were had the house that I bought. And so I'm sitting in the courtroom, and we're going through the proceedings, and, I, and, and the Lord said in Galatians, it says, Galatians 3, I believe it says, that the blessings of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles also. And so I want the blessings of Abraham in my life. Okay? And so I just said, and, and the, what did the Lord say to Abraham? He said, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And so I'm sitting there all by, all by myself in the courtroom. I'm just listening to this. All. I'm watching her lie. I'm watching the other person who's funding the whole thing look like he, an idiot over there. And I said, you know what, God? I was going to tithe on that. I figured that one house would go for between forty and 50000 So, Lord, that's, that's four or $5,000 in tithe I'm not going to be able to put in the kingdom. And the other house was probably going to go for about 40 or 52, but it was also going to be a, a contract, so I was going to make interest off of that, and I was going to pay in, pay tithe every month on that. So, Lord, I mean, they're, they're, they're cursing me. They're taking this away. So you just do what you got to do, Lord. I'm a child of Abraham. You just do what you got to do. All right, so they, long story short, they took the houses back. They gave them to the back to the individuals and guess what they lost them all again a few years later but in the meantime so they lost them again right in the meantime the money the money person prominent business person had a massive stroke six months later and went out of business and never was heard from again I didn't pray that on him I just said Lord I'm your child and if you said you bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you, so I'm leaving it up to you, Lord. It appears to me that they're cursing me, cursing you right now and taking this away from me. They're taking this money out of the kingdom. Why do you say that, Pastor? Why are you telling it? I'm telling you God honors his word, and you and I need to start living up to what we really are in the kingdom. You're king's kids. That's not in your notes either. You're getting so much bonus tonight bottom of bottom of page five it's taught in the epistles Galatians 3:27 for as many as you have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ amen you've put on Christ start living like you got him start walking around like you're one of a king's kid stop pitying yourself you're not a victim you're fine Look at yourself and tell yourself, I'm fine. I'm fine. If you don't believe it, tell yourself again. I'm fine. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or have you gotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. That's where God wants you to be. He wants you to live a new life. He wants you to get out of that old nasty junk life you've been living in, get out of that prison in your mind, that torture cell, and get some freedom in your life. Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. And Colossians 2, 11 and 12, and I'm closing. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not with a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For when you were buried with Christ, you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him, you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God 
who raised Christ from the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. Covenant name is Jesus. Baptism is circumcision. Amen. It's a command. Remiss of sins, remission of sins. Identifies us with Jesus Christ. Let's all stand. These are your papers to take home. Glory to God. 835. If you hurry, you can get to Dairy Queen in Greenville. Lord, we thank you tonight for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word tonight. Move mightily in our lives and in, the, in power. Lord, let us realize who we are. We're king's kids. We're to walk in authority. We're to walk in power. We're to walk in glory. Lord, and we, we are spiritual Jews. We are the children of Abraham, the seed of Abraham, the spiritual seed of Abraham. That's us. And so, Lord, tonight you said you'd bless those that bless us and you'd curse those that curse us. So, Lord, we just stand in blessings, wanting you to do what you've got to do. But, Lord, most of all, let us walk in the power and authority. Let us walk in humility and grace. Let us become successful men and women of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, before I let you go, Friday, I need some men here Friday at 530 so we can help with uh, food pantry. need some men here to lift boxes. Brother Johnny, congratulations. Brother Johnny finished his first continuing education module. You didn't? Well, you told me you did. Sunday. We give you advanced congratulations on that. So you still need to work the food pantry Friday and Saturday, don't you? Kevin, you going to help us? Terry, all right. So Friday at 5.30. And then we have ministry at 8.30 Saturday morning. Amen. Be blessed. Love you all.